you will, get your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. If you found your place, let's stand in honor of the reading God's word. Does any one of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to the law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent? to constitute the smallest law courts. Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more matters of this life? So if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges or who are the of no account in the church? I say this to your shame. It is so that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to decide between his brethren. But brothers go to the law with the brothers and that before unbelievers. Actually then it is already defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? On the contrary, you're, you yourselves wrong and defraud. You do this even to your brethren. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Father, we thank you so much for your word, God. Bless it to our hearing this morning and to the application for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What defines a Christian? What does it mean... To be a Christian. What does a Christian look like? What does a Christian act like? Now, now we do know that the word Christian means Christ-like. But how does it or what does that look like? Our text this morning will give us some indicators of what a Christian looks like. It will also show what a Christian should not look like. 
And you know, we're looking at the heart. We're looking at the soul of mankind who is a Christian. By the way of introduction, I want you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 11. Verse 19, Acts 11, verse 19. We're going to look at some verses here. And... It started in Acts chapter 7. Stephen was stoned because he was a man of faith, because he preached the word of God. And he was killed. They picked up stones and they stoned him to death. Well, the believers, they scattered, they left town. They went this direction and that direction and all kinds of directions. However, they took the gospel with them. So the places they went, they spread the gospel. They scattered and the gospel was spread. That was an amazing thing. People who the gospel might not have reached... Because of the death of Stephen and the fear of the believers scattered, it was spread. Even to the town of Antioch. And in verse 19, it says, did I tell y'all Acts 11? Good. Acts 11, verse 19. Uh, So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to the Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Amen. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. And when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with a resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And he left Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for the entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers and the disciples was first called Christians in Antioch. 
Antioch for an entire year Paul and Barnabas met with the believers, the church, there at Antioch, and taught considerable numbers there. Well, what did they teach? Did they teach financial security? Surely they needed that. Did they teach psychology and sociology and, and all these kind of things? That in verse 20, it tells us that there were some men from Cyprus and Cyrene who came to Antioch and they began speaking to the Greeks, which happens to be a bunch of pagans who worshipped pagan gods. But what were they preaching? What were they teaching? It was the Lord Jesus who they taught and who they preached. When the purpose of teaching and preaching is Christ. Verse 21 says, The hand of the Lord was with them. Listen, I never can depend upon my teaching or upon my preaching. I depend totally upon the hand of the Lord. In order to have the hand of the Lord is to have to teach about Jesus and who He is to each and every one of us. Of His great, amazing love that He came and He laid His life down for us. Oh, and the numbers came. A Christian will share Christ. The numbers will come. When, when the purpose of the teaching and the preaching, the, the hand of the Lord was with them. Verse 22 says, The news reached Jerusalem church. What did they do? They sent Barnabas. Why Barnabas? These people just came out of a pagan society and believed upon Christ. And they sent Barnabas, because you know what the name Barnabas means? It means encourager. Because Barnabas was an encourager. And so he was, he was sent and from the Jerusalem church. Uh, and Christians ought to be encouragers. They ought to be encouragers. When Barnabas arrived at Antioch, what did he see? Look at verse 23. He witnessed the grace of God. Lives were changed. They went from being pagans to godly people. He rejoiced. Listen, friends, when you see sinners saved, you ought to rejoice. You, you ought to get that old dull Sunday morning look off your face and, and smile and rejoice and, and love what the Lord has done and, and give Him praise. He rejoiced. And He began to encourage. He, he began to do what He was called to do. And that was to encourage them. And he had a resolute heart, determined heart, to, to teach them and encourage them to remain true to the Lord. We all need a Barnabas in our life. We all 
need that one that would continue to encourage us. No, how, no matter how bad it gets in life and how down you might become, but yet you need that encourager who says, stay true to the Lord. The Lord's going to work it out for the good in the end. Just keep looking to Him. Keep serving Him. Keep loving Him. Verse 24 tells us a little bit more about Barnabas and it tells us what a Christian should be like. It says, For he, Barnabas, was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, meaning and of being full of faith. And at Antioch, there was considerable numbers that were brought to the Lord. They were having an awakening. They were having people to come to know Christ. Christians are people who bring others to the Lord. At Antioch, the disciples, the believers in Christ, this is not talking about the twelve, it's just talking about the believers in Christ. They're called disciples here, followers of Jesus. They were first called Christians. There was people looking at them and saying, they remind me of that Jesus guy. That's what we ought to look like. That is what Christ-like is about. It's not being popular in the world's eyes. Far from it. It's to be set apart from the world. It is to be holy as He is holy. And have that determined heart to serve Him. Oh, beloved, how we need churches like Antioch where the people were shown and taught the Lord Jesus Christ not how to be a better you, but to adore Christ, to, to be encouraged, to be a firm follower of Jesus Christ the Lord. When we get the letter written by Paul, Here in our text this morning, when he wrote the first letter of Corinthians, in chapter 1, verse 2, starting at verse 2, 1 Corinthians, it says, For I am determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear. I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong chapter. Chapter 1, verse 2. To the church of God which is in Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, with all who is in every place called on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in Him, in all speech, in all knowledge, 
even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed to you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was thankful that they've been they come to know Christ. But however, this letter, as you already know, there were some things wrong. And this letter is mainly concerned with the things that are wrong, and we get to that this morning uh, again in our text. And But first of all, he called Christians saints. And that's what Christians are. They're saints. They're children of God. They're the holy ones of God who are enriched, he said, in him. Listen, dear believers, do you know that you are a saint enriched in Christ? Too many times believers' eyes are on the world. And they're trying to judge themselves as they're part of the world. Listen, we as Christians are not a part of the world. We're aliens. We're pilgrims. We're sojourners. We're just passing through. This is not our home. Our home is in heaven to where we're headed. It is a Illustration of the children of Israel going through the wilderness. That wilderness was not their home, but they spent 40 years there. They were headed to the promised land. And we too are headed to the promised land. And we too are in our wilderness here. Bad things happen. There's evil in this world. Just as the children of Israel was snake-bitten. Many of us have been snake-bitten. But we look up. As the children of Israel was told to look up at what Moses had made there, it's almost like looking to the cross. And they were healed. We too must keep looking up toward our heavenly home. You will not rejoice in the things of this world. You might have some tickled moments, but you will not stay rejoicing because of the things of this world. But you can have the joy of the Lord in your heart. He went on to say in that first chapter, not lacking any gift. God gives us everything we need. Everything we need. Most of all, it was his son's death upon the cross. And the next thing, he gave us our faith. He gave us our trust. He gave us our stronghold. He gave us a refuge in himself. So we get to our text, and how do we as saints 
handle our disputes with one another? Listen to this question, this series of questions that Paul asks. Does any one of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare go to the law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? He said, you mean to tell me that you, as believers, when y'all have spouts one another, you want to... You want to have a lawsuit before one another and you want to go to those who are not believers and let them judge you. What are you thinking? What are you doing? Christians were bringing lawsuits against one another before the unbelievers and Paul was set aside by it. The focus of Christianity is always on Christ. And the love of Christ. The Christian is to show the love of Christ. He said, he just emphatic here, you dare to go to the law before the unrighteous? Is this for real? What kind of examples are we setting when Christians have disputes between one another? And it ends up in the courts. How do you handle disputes in your family? I mean, there's times that Tracy wants one thing and I want another thing, and but because I didn't get my way, I don't call and say, hey, I need an attorney to get my wife straight. She gets me straight. I don't have to do it. That's we don't do that. We don't do things that happen in our family and go run tell. Guess what, Christians, we're family. My brother and I, we've had some knockdown, drag out fights. Well, he knocked me down and didn't drag me off because he's thirteen years older than me most of my life, and he's still thirteen years older than me. But that's when we used to be childish. He still is. But uh, I didn't call the law. We were just foolish brothers. You know, to be a family, sometimes you just got to put up with some foolishness in love of anyway. Don't you? There's no perfect church. And there's not a one of us in this room that's perfect. But we're all to love one another anyway. Paul says you need to act like Christians. What kind of examples are we setting? Disputes in the family. I had something here I wrote down to illustrate. A couple, the friends of Tracy and I, <clears throat> after they got married, one day I went by their house, the apartment actually, and to visit them. They were newlyweds, hadn't been 
married but a couple months. And when I came in, I was seated on the sofa and and the husband went to get, fix me a glass of iced tea, I believe it was. And all of a sudden there was all this kind of racket coming from the kitchen. And I was going, what is that? And the wife looked at me and said, I forgot to fill the ice trays up with water. I put empty ice trays back in the refrigerator. And he's letting me know by making that noise. Well, <laughs> in a few minutes, well, I was drinking my lukewarm water and or tea. And <clears throat> a few minutes she went down the hall to the restroom and I kept hearing a noise come from the restroom. And I said, what is that? I forgot to put the lid down. <laughs> so she was sitting there just throwing it down, picking it up and throwing it down. Family learns how to communicate with one another without calling the law. When believers go to court against other believers, usually by seeking revenge or seeking some type of gain, what should be the utmost concern? As believers, as the family of God, is unity. Unity of the body which Christ is the head and glory for Jesus Christ our Lord. By getting out in the public's eye and doing something as suing another brother in Christ, people say, well, look at those Christians. And it robs God of his glory. Then he goes on to say, or do you not know that saints will judge the world? Over in, I'm not going to ask you to turn to it, I'm just going to refer to it for time's sake, but Daniel chapter 7, verse 18, 22, and 27 talks about the, the Christians having positions in the millennial kingdom and that of being a judge. In Revelations 2, verse 26 and 27, it talks about sitting on the th throne. Uh, Revelations 3, 21, it says... He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. If saints will help rule the entire earth, they are surely able to rule themselves within the church. That the future rule will be based on the perfect adherence to the word of God and proper godly attitudes which are available now. That, that's what the Corinthian church was there for. It is to support one another. It is not to get in disputes with one another. And if there is a dispute 
between one another, you need to go back to that Matthew 18 principle and get to the bottom of it so that you can have unity in the church. Verse 3 in our text says, Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more matters of this life? Now, he's not saying that we're going to judge the fallen angels because they've already been judged by the Lord. Judge here comes to mean that we'll rule over or govern. Angels, are they behold us, the believer. Because they don't see the, what... These holy angels don't see what in the world. Probably, why did Jesus go die for them? They've got to be something special. They were against God. And the Son of God went down there and claimed them children of God. Christians without love is a noisy gong or clanging cymbals. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 2 tells us. It goes on in our text, verse 5 says, Do you not know, excuse me, I read that one, verse 5, I was reading wrong one again. I say this to your shame. It is so that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to decide between his brethren. But brother goes to the law, and with brother, and that before unbelievers. You're not being a witness for Christ. Then verse 7 tells us that actually then it is already a defeat for you. There's no win in that battle. Oh, you might get your gain. You might get your revenge, but there's no gain. Spiritual gain. That you have lawsuits with one another. Why not? Listen to this question. Why not be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? On the contrary, you yourselves wronged and defrauded. You do this even to your brethren. What, what gain is it? Paul's asking. What did you accomplish? By doing this, when Christians go to court against other Christians, they are defeated. Both sides. It would be better to be wrong or be defrauded far better than to lose financial gain. Excuse me. And it would be far worse because you lost spiritual stability. Matthew 6.33 is probably a key verse. But seek you first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That's it. One of the things that a Christian looks like, he looks like someone who's seeking the kingdom of God and nothing else matters. 
It's not about the toys of this world, the things that will rust and decay and go away. It's about the kingdom of God. Uh, We send our children or try to send our children to college and get them a good education and all this so that they could have some well-to-do lives. But even that is in vain if we're not teaching them the Lord Jesus Christ to where the ultimate gain is in Christ. All Christians, excuse me, as Christians, we have something that this world can never take away from us. Never. Ever. It cannot take away from us the inheritance of God. It cannot take away from us life eternal. It cannot take away from us a place called heaven that one day we should we can do, go ahead and do it today we can call home. We should be forgiving, not bitter. Always be forgiving. Do not let bitterness grow up in our hearts. It will not make us look like Christians. If if we are wronged and can't get it right by another Christian, it is better to suffer loss or the injustice than to bring a lawsuit. It's better. Matthew 5, verse 39 and 40. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other one to him also. Get that. I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other one also. I I called Tracy in this morning. I was just looking over that, and I said, boy, if someone slaps me on the left cheek first, they got it coming. But that's not what it's saying. You got to remember who you are. You got to remember who you are. This week I had to attend a class uh, through the sheriff's department, and they had a guy from out of town, and he came in and he used a whole lot of profanity while he was teaching. And at one point he said, Does anybody have sensitive ears in this room? And someone behind me pointed at me. And I seen the teacher look behind me and he said, this guy, and he pointed at me. And he said, do you have sensitive ears? And I said, yes, I do. And he said, well, do like this. And I pitied him. I really did. He can't come and teach a class without profanity. 
He's a professional that was paid to come teach us. And he can't do it without profanity. It was an hour-long class for 30 minutes. I guarantee you he talked about himself. Of all of his accomplishments. But I pity him. He thought that profanity made him, I don't know what he thought it made him. Made him something in his mind. Listen, men, I'm going to talk to y'all just a second. And women, if you're bad about using words that you shouldn't, you can listen too. There's been times I've gotten so mad that I really wanted to say something bad. But I refrained from doing it. It had been real easy to have done it. And it takes a much bigger man not to do it than those who do it. Anybody can curse. Anybody can say a profane word. But it takes a man of God to speak intelligently clean. Amen, preacher. He goes on to say in Matthew, If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. It's just not that important. The Christian knows grace, mercy, and forgiveness. We are seekers of the kingdom of God. And back to our text, in verses 9 through 11, it says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. It means don't think otherwise. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. This is not just a list of sins that indicate one has lost his salvation. However, it's indicated of sinful lifestyles characterized by those who are not saved, those who are outside the kingdom of God. Paul is saying, don't live like the unsaved. A believer is a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us. That we've had a change of heart. And we're not like we used to be. He who has been given a new heart has been made to seek God. He has a desire for God and knowing God. Don't allow the flesh to become dominant. That's what happens 
to disobedient Christians. Their flesh overtakes their new heart. And he or she takes the appearance of an unbeliever. The list of sins, again, is, is not an exhaustive list, but the, it, it's the representation of sin that should never characterize the believer. Never. Fornicators. They're the sexual immoral. That's anything out of marriage. There's so many that's living together today, and some even attend church. It's wrong. It's not what God made it to be. It is sin against God. That's it. God made woman for man for marriage. To do what? To multiply. And living together outside of marriage, those who preach it or defend it cannot possibly be of God. Believers are to recognize it as evil. Idolaters. They are those who worship false gods, false religious systems. I think that's plain enough. There's only one God. And anything else is false. He reveals himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Adulterers. This Western society is filled with this sickness. Man's kind and that means women and men, always trying to look for something what they think is better. And they'll never find it unless they find Jesus Christ and be true to Him. The best marriage that anyone can have is where God is over the marriage. That's it. That's the bottom line. God created marriage. It's a holy matrimony for one man and one woman till death do you part. That's it. The effeminate, the homosexual, effeminate is a man who pretends to be a woman, have woman ways. I think today they call them a transgender. And homosexuals. 
God created male and female. That's it. And they believe a lie. They go as far as bringing... They, they actually use God's name in vain when they say, God made me this way. No, He did not. He made male and female. And friends, this world is growing increasingly sick. That even one day, maybe this is going to be on social media, I could even be sued. I could go to jail. But I'm telling you what God's Word says. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not. I don't care how many times they sit in church. If they continue in this sin, they will not enter into the kingdom of God. God's word says it. But they're in the same group with the fornicators and idolaters and adulterers and also the thieves and the covetous. The thieves and the covetous, they're never satisfied what God has given them. They're always wanting more, even if they have to steal it and desire it from someone else. Drunkards. I can give testimony of how alcohol can destroy homes. How the abuse of alcohol can rip apart families. And how it's no good. Well, Bible don't say nothing about just having one beer. I wouldn't give you dirt for one beer. What's the use? What are you drinking it for? People drink it because they say it's a social drink. I mean, I don't, I don't ever hear anybody say, "Hey, man, come on over to the house and have a diet coke with me." Oh, it's always you hit say, "Hey, man, come over and we'll have some beer." About the only other social drink I hear of that I would go for is coffee. Come have a cup of coffee. Drink coffee, not beer. Tastes a lot better. It's just like gambling. Gambling, again, is a part of greed. And I used to hear people talk about, well, they go over to Vicksburg and they get a cheap steak at the gambling joint. You kidding me? How much gas did it take you to get to Vicksburg? I think you could have ate a good steak right here. I'm not going to support an establishment that ruins lives. Because, friends, I know a friend of mine personally that lost three businesses and, and almost lost his life and his family because he had an addiction to gambling. And that's the same way with alcohol. It, the purpose is, is to get a high. Get high on Jesus. 
Revilers. Those who destroy others with their tongues. It comes from their heart. They have a reviled heart. Give them an opportunity to run someone down and they'll do it. Swindlers. They're the extortionists. They're the embezzlers. The they the promoters of defective merchandise. And Paul goes on to say, after he names these and didn't give the exhaustive list, but he went on and say, said, and such were some of you. And such were some of you. The church of Corinth, is, as the churches of today, had ex-fornicators, ex-adulterers, etc., etc. Every Christian is or should be known as an ex-sinner. But he gives three contrasting statements. Verse 11. Such were some of you, but you were washed. Number one. But you were sanctified. Number two. But you were justified. Number three. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Washed. Regeneration. It speaks of a new life in Christ. Jesus saved us not on the basis of our deeds, which we have done in righteousness because we had none, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Spirit. Regeneration is God's work. It is that is told that in Titus 3.5. Uh, when a person is washed by Christ, he's born again. All things become new. He is that new creation that we talked about earlier. It says the story I heard about a little boy that went to a church uh, that was from an unchristian home, and he got he got saved that night. He went to the church, and he got home. His dad was in the garage working on a car, and he got upset with the car, and he began to curse the car and talk ugly. Uh, while he was working on that car, and the boy just started smiling real big. And he said, boy, what are you smiling about? He said, daddy, I got saved tonight, and that's the first time that ever sounded ugly to me. But it sounded ugly tonight. He had a changed heart. Do you want a changed heart? You, you can't do it yourself. Why, it said Christ does it. He is the one. When a person is washed by Christ, he's born again. The regeneration comes through Christ. Sanctified. It speaks of a new behavior. It is when we start recognizing that the things that we say might not be the things we should say. And the things that we do that should be things that we shouldn't do. And the things that we don't do, we see that we should do. That, that is a sanctified life. Justified. A new standing before God. 
He no longer looks at us as the sinner that we are. But He looks at us as we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ and transformed. Having a transformed life. And we should practice transformed living. Put away the old man. Have nothing else to do with that old man. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's what a Christian looks like. He's not perfect, but he's seeking it. He is seeking it. That old man always wants to come and raise his ugly head. But we always need to look to Christ. I was telling Tracy this morning that God woke me up in the early morning hours and for some reason, someone I hadn't really thought of in a while was a young man that calls himself an agnostic. And I just began to pray. Oh God, change his heart. Let him see your goodness, God. Who can deny your goodness? Beloved, seek God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Turn away from the evil things of this world. There's a heavenly home that awaits us all if we had just loved the Lord. And don't make a big thing out of the things of this world because it's all going to be gone. All. 